0: Hot off the presses, Metro Magazine is back. It's in people's subscribers' letter boxes today, and it's in stores tomorrow. And it just looks really good. It's got uh, the cover story is by some nobody called Lord. Uh, there's also an amazing story in there by an up and coming journalist called Hayden Donnell. So there's something there for everything, everybody. So no but it, it's it just looks like a really great magazine and it just highlights magazines are kind of back aren't they the the listener is back it's the same as ever which is a good thing or a bad thing depending on your philosophical outlook or probably your age group Uh, north and south is back it also looks like it's doing incredible journalism it's got a new team really great team Uh, magazines are kind of looking better than ever after a pretty rocky year
1: so is that possible that Bauer shutting down has actually been a good thing for New Zealand's magazine industry?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe? Maybe? I, it is too early to say. It's sort of one of those things where you're like, ask me again in two years. But the the major benefits that I can see is that a lot of these magazines are now in local ownership. Some of them, like Metro, are in the hands of basically someone who's a passionate fan of the magazine and just wanted to take it on and had a bit of money, and Simon Chesterman... Uh, the diversity of ownership is also potentially a good thing. If one of these things does end up going kaput, then not it doesn't mean that the whole industry is suddenly decimated as it happened when Bauer uh, shut down. And I guess the proof will be in the pudding in a couple of years whether they actually shake out, because some of the same economic issues that plagued the magazine industry before COVID are still there, but it looks good right now.
1: I mean, do you think with that, will these new titles survive? I mean, it's early to say, and I don't want to jinx anything, so I'm sort of reluctant Mm. with this question. But is it possibly also like, oh, yay, let's open a bar?
0: Yeah, like, yay, let's open a bar. Or a cafe. Or a (laughs) single our savings into it, and then it closes down in three months. Maybe it could be. Uh, I mean, the magazines were having issues with their longevity, their (laughs) long-term stability. Before COVID came along, advertising was drying up, and that's due to the internet and various things. It's possible, though, that that situation looks a little bit more rosy than it has done, and some of these companies that have gone into local ownership, stuff is the biggest one, have said that it has spurred advertisers to invest more in them and it's uh, made companies want to support them more and also subscribers want to support them more. Maybe that's happening with uh, magazines like Metro North and South. I don't have the figures, but it would be good if it was. uh, And... I guess we'll see in a few months or a few years whether it does actually shake out well.
1: Plus, with the closed borders, we're, we're a captive audience, aren't we? Maybe <laughs> right. I mean, maybe we're going to end up reading more magazines than we have already because cause our statistics are pretty significant yeah, in terms of being magazine readers. Yeah, we a saturated
0: magazine market. And also, I think probably we're helped by the fact that our economy, I mean, recent figures have shown this, has not uh, plunged as much as Treasury and others thought it would. We're actually doing pretty well, especially by global standards. And so maybe there is still a bit more money out there to spend and spend domestically so I'd have to ask the people actually at the magazines I feel like I'm speculating now but
1: that's okay we'll watch um, the space it's going to be really interesting yeah Okay, next up, Wellington, let's go there. Brian Crump's already nervous. He mentioned that before the 10 o'clock news. I'm from Wellington, but I just think no holds barred. What's going on with the media Less, pile on? It's,
0: it's just flared up, hasn't it? Wellington is all of a sudden...
1: Where did that come from? Where did
0: it come from? Look, I like to trace it back to an article by that up-and-coming reporter, Hayden Dinell, which, full disclosure, is me. Uh, in, in early October, and I, I, I uh, reviewed Wellington... And I called it, I'll quote, a topographical torture chamber locked inside one of the windsocks they keep outside car yards. And I rated it two stars. Now, that provoked... Sorry, f- let,
1: before we go any further, just, yeah. just so we can get really clear, two stars out of how many? Five.
0: It was out of five. So hmm. it's not two out of ten. Hmm. Still 40%. Were well, uh, you
1: being clever or were you we trying to prove something to someone?
0: I feel a little bit misunderstood over this article because it provoked a furious emotional backlash from Wellingtonians, obviously, and... Uh, I was really almost doing a parody of a review, of a review doing an over the top sort of thing as a way of beckoning them into what was essentially a boring story about house prices but maybe this review was the snowball that started an avalanche of criticism for Wellington because since then it's just been a real nightmare out there I'll just one of the headlines Recently, Fatberg spills 20,000 litres of sewage into Wellington Harbour. Now, that's a good headline for Wellington lately. Stuff's reporter, Joel McManus, has uh, repeated ince- uh, reported incessantly, do- doggedly, on Wellington's $5 billion bill to replace its ageing pipe network, which keeps spilling raw poo everywhere. Uh, it seems like even God has got the memo about uh, Wellington being down in the dumps because it's just experienced its most pitch-black, dark November on record. The council is dysfunctional. The buses don't run on time. It's still extremely windy. This is all from headlines that I've read. Uh, The whole avalanche of criticism reached its zenith on Sunday, though, with an article by Stuff's Andrew Vance, uh, which was headlined, Wellington, I'm sorry to say it, but your good days are over.
1: What sparked
0: that? I think the, the story by Andrew Vance, it bemoans just about everything about the city, including uh, the fact that Courtney Place and Cuba Street have been overrun by chain stores and seedy bars. It, 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 it actually bemoans some of the solutions to its housing affordability crisis, and it says that he, removing heritage protections on some of the inner-city suburbs uh, will remove any remaining pockets of history in the land. Actually, actually it will free up housing, which will make things a little bit more affordable uh, for people there. But anyway, the overall point of the article is just to sort of raise Wellington's reputation and assault the earth afterwards. I I wonder whether what's behind all of this is that almost a a media coverage begets more media coverage. And once you start the ball rolling on on a negative uh, flare up of stories, then then the, the trend is made. There's a groove established and more media stories go into that groove. People accuse Aucklanders of being self-obsessed, but this has been an incredible amount of navel-gazing from the capital city. And I think it's probably a reaction, because since 2009, Wellington has really had this run of really golden publicity from Lonely Planet calling it the coolest little capital in the world. And since then, it seems like... Wellington's issues have reached a tipping point and there's just too many terrible things going on concurrently for people to ignore. But Wellington is fighting back. Andrew Vance's stable mate, Henry Cook, he's responded to her. Actually, Wellington's best days are ahead of uh, it. And his main arguments are that it's actually a really dense city, which is actually really good. It's very walkable. You can get everywhere. You can go from a bar to another bar. It seems that maybe drinking... Uh, helps you forget the smell of raw sewage in the streets and the back black mould on your lungs from living in a 100-year-old falling-down fridge and its poor rental stock. But he is right that Wellington has a lot of upsides. And uh, it's good to see that the, the city and its fans are fighting back against this flood of negativity.
1: OK, I've heard enough as a Wellingtonian. Uh, I've heard enough. I think I have. I don't know. Did you have anything else to add? Because we know you've got other things to talk about.
0: No, I, I just wanted to highlight that as... A strange flare-up, a media pile-on, that I don't know where it's going to go, I don't know where it's going to end. Uh, And I don't almost know where it's come from, but it seems that Wellington's issues have just added up to such a crisis point that that the media has to cover it. The underlying issue, though, is something that Thomas Coglin from Stuff highlighted, and that's about local council... Funding, And it's a bit of a wonkish subject, but this is the kind of stuff that Thomas Goglin is really good at. He talked about the government needing to bail out local councils because they're restricted by their kind of arcane funding structures with there's debt-to-revenue ratios. It makes them unwilling and unable to invest in wide-scale infrastructure projects. Uh, A lot of Wellington's issues are because of a lack of infrastructure investment over time. And that's not just that city. It's across the nation. And that's something that Thomas Coghlan is highlighting. It's worth looking at.
1: Housing's back on the agenda. This is
0: another uh, media flare-up. I just want to say, look. It seemed like housing was our national obsession for a really long time. It almost went on the back burner under the last Labour government, where mainly we talked about the failure of their Kiwi Build scheme. But actually, the crisis level housing prices, the prices that we had at the end of the key government, kept going up under Labour. There wasn't as much uh, coverage. Now it's now reached a crisis. It's reached a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a furnace of housing stories. Crescendo. Crescendo. It's reached a crescendo. The interesting thing about this, and the one thing I do want to highlight, of course that is because housing prices have gone up 20% in the year to November. But some of the same factors that we're really covering in earnest now uh, were there for the last three years. House prices were still high. Uh, You know, we, we still had... Record low interest rates, for example. They were still plunging. Uh, And we had organisations like Demographia still rating us one of the most unaffordable housing markets in the world. None of these are new issues. It's really interesting because I think maybe when you do start doing media coverage of an issue, it it begets more media coverage. And as you say, it gets into a groove. It can be negatively about Wellington or it can be uh, really good coverage of our housing crisis. Uh, It's interesting that maybe some of these issues are not new, but the media coverage that they experience draws in more media coverage and then they end up becoming, in the public's perception and the government's perception, big issues because of that media coverage.
1: This is such a good segue because your next topic and we have to have time <laughs> to have get to, right. there, even though I'm the wrong host for tonight. But let's just... Go there. You introduce it. So
0: disappointed that I couldn't do the segment with an actual Karen. But the Media Council did issue a ruling today about a News Hub story which focused on a woman that was dubbed Milford Karen. And she went and she was filmed yelling at a couple that was parked in her neighbourhood. The stereotype is that it's a white woman who uses her privilege to control or demean others. A stereotypical Karen might be sort of someone that's asking to talk to your manager at Burger King. Google. Google it, guys. But the Media Council issued a ruling on the use of the word Karen, and they said uh, that it was concerned by the use of the term, which was derogatory. So news organisations have been warned. They've been put on notice. No more throwing about the term Karen to describe people willy-nilly.
1: I'm just. I don't want to say anything. I just know that Karen's going to have something to say. We need to allow her to have something to say when she's back tomorrow. We need to give
0: her a right of reply. Maybe when I'm next on the program.
1: And it's not just Karen's. Let's go back to some backlash. Well, it's new backlash, but it's old bad. anyway. Pick up the pieces yeah. here.
0: <laughs> it's not just the term Karen. It's we're t- we're looking at the term. Where there are other derogatory terms that are in the in the media That's what right I was trying now. To say, Hayden, we yes. are having a big debate in the media about the use of the term boomer which is just a term to describe a generation, has been for decades. The Green MP Ricardo Menendez March found himself in the headlines recently for saying that as the Green senior citizen portfolio owner, he was willing to ask, Are you OK, Boomer? And people took exception to that. Why? Boomer has become an insult in the eyes of many. Now, it's just the name for your generation. I'm sorry, guys. Now... You might want to ask yourselves, at the risk of annoying some people, why Boomer has been come to be known as a slur, and could it be maybe the intergenerational pillaging done by some of your well to do peers and the fact that you took advantage, they took advantage of free education, uh, uh, cheap. Government-backed housing, and then removed all of those advantages for their or children. Just a it could be that, it could, or it could a be that the, the term itself is a slur. Could it be the actions that have actually defined, uh, that have led to that that term being associated with negativity, rather than the fact that it's actually a bad word on its own?
1: Hayden Donnell, I'm, I'm leaving I, this feel like right I've, I we've, we've I'm this right there. We've laid sorry. everything out on the table. There's nothing I left for tonight. I need to delete tonight. my
0: social me- media straight after saying that. I'm May sorry. May the
1: force be with you. Hayden Donnell, Midweek Media Watch.